Has anything ever amazed you? Some things just amaze me. You know, when I first met Pastor Todd Helmkamp, he was just an ordinary guy with ordinary problems. And I had no clue that one day he would be ordained into the ministry, which is what happened just this past week. So I just wanted you to know that. Yeah. That's amazing that God can change someone's life like that. Give it purpose. So there's other things that amaze me, like why God would love us. You know, God created us to be a representative of himself on this planet. Boy, have we made a mess of it. How do, how do the lost people see, see God's love through people like us? who tend to be the way we are. And then knowing that, that we humans could do nothing to communicate with God because of our lostness, He would put together a plan, a way to communicate with us through His Son. God emptied himself of all the glory he had up there, came down to this earth, was born of a virgin on that first Christmas to, to identify with us. God would do that to show that he loved us. And at the end, allow people like us to kill him, put him in a grave. And on the third day, he proved who he was when he rose from the dead. That is amazing. It's an amazing story. What author could have thought up such a plot, such a theme, with so many intricacies, and have it come out with a happy ending? I have no idea. It's absolutely amazing. So with that theme in mind, we're looking at another of the stories that amazed God's people. It's found in Mark chapter 6, Gospel of Mark chapter 6, all of these stories in this series are in Mark because it's, it seems to be a theme. A theme. So we're in Mark chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 47. Actually, let's back up to verse 46, which I don't think we have on the screen. After leaving them, Jesus went up on a mountainside to pray. Verse 47. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. We're going to stop right there for a minute and just kind of reflect on this because I, I want us to see this story is all about giving hope. And you and I should be the recipients of the hope that he gives us. So from that perspective, I want us to look at seven different aspects of the story that we should find hope in. And here's the first one. We should find hope when it gets dark. It says, later that night. That means it got dark out. Jesus was up on a mountain talking to God. We don't know what he's talking about, but he's talking about something. He's relating. He's, he's having a conversation, pouring his heart out to Father God up on the mountain. And he had instructed his disciples to get in a boat and to go over to the other side. So they're in the process of obeying the Lord, doing exactly what God had commissioned them to do, to get this boat to the other side. And 
it got dark. Has it ever gotten dark in your life? I did some calculating today. My life expectancy, according to uh, actuaries, is 85. Maybe I won't make it that far. Maybe I'll go a little bit longer, but that's the average, 85. Which means I will have spent 21,170 dark nights. Now, typically when you're dealing with a dark night in your life, the best thing to do is close your eyes and go to sleep, right? But I've had some dark nights that have lasted through the daytime, dark seasons in my life, and so have you. You can't get through planet Earth and, and through a lifetime down here and not go through some dark nights where you've had to deal with loss, where you've had to deal with disappointment, rejection, failure, betrayal. Those are dark nights. Those aren't times we look forward to. Those aren't times that put a smile on our face. The disciples were dealing with a dark night, and Jesus saw it all from the mountaintop in his communication with God. And the disciples were all alone. Now, you know, the only thing they had in common was Jesus they were all so diverse, so different, opposites, polar opposites. And yet he recruited them all, and he was discipling them all, taking them along this journey. And now they're alone. He's been with them now day and night, but they're all alone. Have you ever felt as a Christian that you were all alone? They knew what that felt like. Light and dark, daytime and night, are relative to planet Earth. It has to do with the, the, the Earth spinning in its cycle while the sun stays relatively in a fixed place. That makes day and night. When the sun's shining, you can see where you're going. When it gets dark, you can't see where you're going. Light and dark, they're relevant to this planet. God doesn't understand that. At the end of the day, I'm ready to crash. I am tired. I'm ready to go to sleep and get refreshed by for tomorrow. But you know, God never has to do that. He never, he never gets to the end of his day. It's daytime all the time in heaven. He knows exactly what he's doing. So Jesus, the Son of God, is up on the mountain talking to God into the night because God's wide awake, hears everything. But the disciples are out after dark on the boat. And there's a storm coming up. And it's trouble for them. And they're tired. They're weary because they're down here on this earth. But Jesus is up on the mountain. You see, he is the son of God and the son of man. He's completely God and completely human all at the same time. He's the only one. So he's the mediator. So while they're in their dark night, he's talking to God on the hotline. Because God never sleeps. 
Jesus knows he can always call on God anytime, day or night. This is good for us to know. Psalm 139 verses 11 and 12 says this. Then I said to myself, Oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. God doesn't recognize darkness. We do. So God's got his eye on us. Even in the middle of your dark night. Somebody say amen. amen. So we're learning from the story that he wants to give us hope when it gets dark. And here's the second thing I want us to see. The, the first part of verse 48. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. This is what Jesus sees when he's talking to God. Now, I would hope we would learn something from this, that when we spend our time on our mountain talking to God, we would expect God to show us things, show us problems down here that we can solve, because that's why we're here. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're representatives of Him on this earth. So rather than just asking God to give us things as if we're selfish and all about ourselves, we should be talking to God, praising God, and letting God show us what we should be praying for, or what we should be acting for, doing for, what we should intercede for. Let God show us those things. So here's the second thing we need hope for. We need hope when we strain. Have we ever strained? We probably strained at a few things. If you're a mom and ever gave birth to a baby, you know what it is to strain. It just takes everything you got. Some of us guys have tried to lift a weight that we could barely handle. That's straining. But we're Americans, right? We, we want the easy way. We want the, the easy method. Give us a tool to do that. We don't want to strain. We want the easy way. But you can't go through life and not have to deal with some things that just make you strain. It's not easy. It's the hard thing. And here the disciples are straining at the oars, doing exactly what they were told to do. Right in the middle of their obedience, they're straining at the oars. Because some things are just hard. I love life when it's easy. But some things aren't easy. They're just difficult. They make us strain. But if you take your hands off the oars, you stop dead in the water. So you can't stop straining. You have to keep doing that. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I have my eye on the goal. And it's hard sometimes, it's difficult sometimes, but I will not get my eye off that goal. Because no matter what we do, our life's going to be over down here one of these days. 
So why would we want to drop the ball just before we make the basket? Somebody say amen. He's, this story gives us hope when we strain. And then thirdly, in the same verse we just read, he gives us hope when the wind is against us. Now, you know, they're on a boat. with You know, this, this boat has a sail. And if they hoist the sail, get that sail up there, it's going to catch the wind, and the wind will do the work for them. Unless the wind's blowing the wrong way. Now there's a problem. And this is what was happening. The wind was against them. And they want to go from here to there, not the other way. So the best thing to do now is drop the sail, tie it down so it's not catching any wind, get your hand on the oars, and start straining. Pull, pull, pull. Make that thing go, because you're not going to be able to rest till you get to the other side. Jesus told us to do this, so we know it's God's will. We just have to keep working against the wind to get to the other side. Have you noticed that sometimes in life, the wind is against you? It's like the harder you work, the greater the wind kicks up. It's going the other way. Now, it would be easy if we could just go with the flow, but when the wind's going the wrong way, you don't want to just go with the flow. You got to do what the Lord tells you to do. You have to press on. So we need to find hope when the wind is against us, when there's obstacles in front of us, when we can't quite make our way. John chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus is speaking, and he said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. I don't know how many times I've faced obstacles. The wind was against me, and when I was trying to do something for the Lord, and I asked the question, is this the devil trying to stop me from doing what God wants? Or is this God trying to stop me from doing what I want? I'm not quite sure. And I have to kind of wrestle with that. Because I can't tell where the wind's coming from. Is it from God? Or is it from the enemy? Or is it just chance? Sometimes we need to sort that out. So we need to find hope when the wind is against us. And here's number four, in, uh, starting in verse 48b, halfway through verse 48. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. If you were out on a lake, pitch black, and you saw somebody walking on the water, you'd probably think it was a ghost too. You see, they had never seen anything like this. This was impossible. You know as well as I know, it is impossible for a man to walk on the water. The weight of a body focused on two little feet can't support that weight in the water. It is going to sink. 
what happened. Now I can read it. <laughs> they all saw him. And it spooked them. It scared them. Because they had never seen anything like this. And they knew this cannot be. It's impossible. Those of us from our high school physics classes know this can't be. This is an impossibility. What am I looking at? What am I seeing here? This is what we need to understand. It is a picture of what God came to do. Jesus was completely God, and he was not, and, and what is spiritual is not um, subject to what is natural. Here on, in the natural world, somebody weighing as much as Jesus cannot walk on water. Can't be done. But he is God who has come to bring heaven down to this earth. And this son of God sitting on the mountain looks out and he sees trouble. He sees his disciples in trouble. He looks out and he, he sees them from God's eyes. These are my sons. If that were you and you saw your son out in that boat having difficulty, you'd want to fix the problem. You'd want to do what you could do. But what's he going to do sitting back here on the mountain? He's talking to God, but who's going to do something? And he sees a need. So he gets up, comes down off the mountain, and begins walking. Something a human can't do but God certainly can because he's not limited. So when we see a miracle, when we see an event that amazes people in the Bible, it is when God steps in to human affairs. When the spiritual being who is not subject to the laws of physics on our planet steps in to the natural world, unusual things happen. This is Jesus, the Son of God, walking on the water. Amazing. How is Jesus going to get out there? How is he going to fix the problem? He makes a way. He makes a way. This is what I want us to get today. You may have a problem in your life, and Jesus sees it. How is the problem going to be fixed? He's going to make a way. God is so good. He's the way maker. Makes ways for us. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, God speaks to the prophet and says, Look, I am doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you recognize it? I'm making a way in the desert, paths in the wilderness. He's making a way where there is no way. And you may feel with, with the problems you got going on right now, you're dealing with, there is no way. Jesus Christ makes ways for us. God sent his son to make a way. So I've got good news for you. 
Jesus, your Savior, came to make a way for you in the problems you're dealing with. All right, let's go on with our story. And the last half of verse 50 is the next point we need to have hope in. Oh, did I, did I give you that blank? It's the unexpected. He gives us hope in the unexpected. They never expected to see somebody walking on the water. When God works a miracle, it's usually something you did not expect. So give up that idea of claiming the promise. You claiming something doesn't make it reality. God loves to surprise us. If you think you're God and you're the one going to tell God what to do, sorry, it doesn't work that way. God will tell you what to do. Okay, last half of verse 50. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. So here's the fourth one, he give, or fifth one. He gives us hope that he will speak. Sometimes I just want to hear from God. I just, I got to hear a word. I mean, I think, I think I know what I need to do, and it's not going to be easy. But if I'm going to take on that big task, I want to know God's in it. I want to know God's directing me. I want to hear His Word. Sometimes God speaks to me through the Bible, something I read in the Bible. Sometimes God speaks to me in a dream. Sometimes God speaks to me through a preacher. Sometimes God speaks to me through my wife. I hate to admit it. <laughs> it's me, he says. Don't be afraid. It's me. You know me. You know I would never hurt you. You know I would never try to scare you. You know you don't have to be afraid when I'm around. It's just me. And he's trying to tell us it's just me. I need to hear that voice. I need a reminder from time to time. I need God to remind me that he's watching out for me and he does know what I'm praying for. I need to hear from the Lord. I need to hear him speak. Here's number six. The first part of verse 51. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. He climbed into the boat with them. I love it. I feel a sermon coming on. He climbed into the boat with them. Jesus did not need a boat. Hello? He didn't need a boat. It's four miles. Where, where they were across to the other side was a four-mile lake. That's a pretty good-sized lake, four miles. But he could walk four miles. If he walked out to them in the middle of the lake, he's already walked two. He could certainly walk another two to the other side. He didn't need a boat. But he got into the boat because it was their boat. And they needed him aboard that boat. That's why he got in. Not because he needed it. Because they needed it. And I need Jesus to get aboard my boat. He doesn't need the boat that I need. But I need him to get aboard. I need him to get on aboard my problem, my job, my ministry, my marriage, my situation. 
I need him to get aboard because I can't deal with it alone. And he knows that. So as soon as he got in the boat with them, the wind died down. Immediately. There was a calm. Because Jesus got aboard. I think sometimes the winds of adversity that are blowing against us would calm down if we'd let Jesus get aboard. How do I get Jesus aboard my boat? How do I do that? I think Jesus tells us how to do that in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. He says, here I am Stand at the door. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He's not going to do an inspection first. He's waiting to see who will open the door. He's, he's already knocking. He's knocking. Can you hear him knocking at your door? Do you feel that pull? Do you feel that tug that comes from him? He's trying, he's trying to get you to open the door because he'll not barge in. He's going to wait for us to open the door. And then he steps in and gets aboard. So he wants to give us hope that he'll get on board my boat. The thing that I'm going through, the thing, my, that part of my life. And then there's one more in the story. We'll pick up that in verse, the last half of verse 51. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. You see what happened just before this, we didn't have the time to get into that, but the, what happened just before this is he had just fed the multitudes. That should have been an object lesson they would never forget. That they don't have to worry about anything, God's going to provide all the food they want. He's going to meet all their needs. They don't have to worry about that. But it says their hearts were hardened. They didn't get it. They saw it as a one-time event. They didn't see it as a revealing of who Jesus is. That would be ongoing. Still happening today in the 21st century. They didn't realize this. They didn't sense it. They had hard hearts. So we need to have hope when hearts are hardened. Another word picture for a hard heart is the term stony heart. A heart like a rock. A heart that's set. A heart that won't move like, like concrete in a form once it dries. Hard heart. They had not understood that growth comes in stages. And what they had just seen in the miracle of the multitudes was a stage of learning and it's going to continue tonight. Out in, the, out in the sea, and it's going to continue tomorrow, and it's going to go on forever. You see, as long as I am alive down here on this earth, I intend to keep learning. Learning things I didn't know yesterday. 
I intend to keep growing. I intend to keep maturing. So don't ever think you have arrived just because you got a diploma or a degree someplace. We're all on this learning process together. I'm reminded of the, the blind man that Jesus prayed for his sight, put his hands on him and asked God to restore his sight. And then he said, what do you see? And the blind man said, well, I see people walking around like trees. And Jesus said, come back here, we're going to pray again. I'm glad you can see, but if you're seeing people walking around like trees, you need another dose. Laid hands on him again, prayed for him again, and then he could see clearly. You see, sometimes healing, maturity, deliverance comes in stages along the way. And so we're never done learning. So a hard heart is someone who doesn't learn anymore. Sees things, but they're closed off and doesn't allow what they see to soak down in and make a change in their heart. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 says this. He's talking about the future, a prediction of the future. And a, and a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. When we surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus, something happens. Our hard, stony heart begins to soften. It begins to melt. It, it allows us to hear things we couldn't hear before. It allows us to be receptive to things we just couldn't, couldn't take a little bit ago. It keeps getting better and better as God keeps working us like a, like a piece of clay. The more you work it, the more uh, supple it becomes, the easier it is to move. God does that in our hearts if we'll allow Him to do it. Isn't this good news? God provided a way for those disciples. It was a miracle. And God wants to provide a way for you. And it might be a miracle. I'll tell you this one story as we wrap it up. Uh, I remember years ago I was a new Christian and I heard about this uh, Bible school called Christian Training Center that was opening up in Fort Wayne. It was a new, a new thing and I thought, well, that's interesting. But it never really be I never really began to think about it very much because I figured, I can't do that. I can't do that. So I didn't even think about it. But I remember Pastor John Lloyd from the Adam's Apple looked me in the eye and he asked me if I was thinking about it. And I said, yeah, I thought about it. And he said, well, a guy like you ought to go. A guy like me, what does that mean? I don't know, but I thought, okay, I'll do that. And as I processed it and thought about it, I saw it as the leading of the Lord. So I went to the place where I worked and I went to my foreman and I told him that I was going to go to this school and I would need to go on a part-time basis at, at the place because I knew there were other uh, men going to college, college students that worked there part-time and they worked around the schedule. And uh, so I told him I wanted to do that. And he wasn't very happy, but he went and talked to the plant manager and he came back out and he said, plant manager says no, he did not want to get into that again. Well, if it was God, I have to do it. 
and it scared the daylights out of me because I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills if I had to quit my job to go to the school. I didn't know. And so I just prayed and I began thinking, okay, where can I get a part-time job because I got to make money. I got responsibilities here. I got to do that. And uh, it was uh, several days later, the plant manager came out to me and said, he walked up to me and said, when's this going to start? And it kind of took me off guard because the foreman said that he said he wasn't going to get into that. So I gave him a start date and he said, well, you talk to the foreman and you tell him what hours you want to work. I realized, I realized a miracle had just happened. Now, I, was, uh, I also figured out that the plant manager had a son who was going to college and wanted to work part-time there. And he couldn't let his son do it and not me. So you see, God made a way. He is a way maker. He will make a way for us no matter what it takes. And we think we got a plan all in place, but God's got an even better idea because he's a way maker. And he's a way maker for you. Let's stand together. I want us to sing a, a chorus tonight. And maybe there's maybe you need a way. Maybe you need a way opened up. You need a path paved for you. A way in the wilderness. Let God make a way for you. If there's a situation in your life where you recognize you need a way, you can't do this. God's got to open a path. He's got to open the door. He's got to set some things up for you. Would you raise your right hand? I want to pray. Heavenly Father, you see these hands raised, people who recognize they need you. There's a situation they're dealing with, and they need a way made. They're going through something right now, and they need a way made. And we're going to speak right now, God, to you, and we're going to ask that you would make a way. We're going to speak to the powers of darkness that would try to be a hindrance to that way and tell them to get out of the way. Now, Father, make a way, open the doors. Send angels, if necessary, God, to guide us through so that that way is made, so that we can prosper and do what you call us to do. So, Lord, make a way, and we'll give you all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.